Well, hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Things That Matter with Marty McNabb and today Sam as well. And, um, but I am, as you've known for, if you've been listening a little bit or if you are just showing up here, the thing that you need to know is that I have been telling stories with other people's stuff for over 30 years. So <laughs> first with Memories Out of the Box, which I started 30 years ago, it can't, I can't believe it, but it's um, where I help people with their photos, documents, and memorabilia, which includes objects, three-dimensional objects, tell a visual narrative. So we all take photos, we all collect things, we often and sadly leave them in the boxes, the bags, the suitcases, the storage units, the attics, the basements. And of course, <laughs> we're talking about the digital too. So in, on our phones, on our multiple phones that we keep because we haven't changed, we haven't, you know, transferred the photos. You know, it's just, they're just everywhere. We document the heck out of our lives and we inherit things from others in our family that document our lives, our, our journey through this life, that are kind of the literally souvenirs of our journey, of our experience. And my goal with Memories Out of the Box and also now with Show and Tales is to encourage people to get those things out of their boxes and back into their lives. So I've hosted over 200 of these, mostly in person. But um, but in the last three years, like the rest of us, we've had to go online, that whole pivot idea. And right. um, even though I resisted it, I because um, I love the in-person stuff, um, I found that it's equally a, a wonderful way to build deeper connections, community, and legacy. So, but today uh, I have a special guest who, as a matter of fact, I met when I was first starting Memories Out of the Box, when I was first starting this, this journey down the path of being a personal historian and legacy artist. And Sam, I met through our, sadly, our folded um, uh, Association of Personal Historians, APH. Yes, it mm -hmm. lasted and went strong for 22 years, but it folded about, five years ago, I believe. But needless to say, there's plenty of people like Sam and I and hundreds, if not thousands of others that still help people tear, tell their life story, preserve and present the story of their lives. So I am so excited to have a personal historian. You're the first personal historian I've had on oh, my kidding. show. Yes. And oh, I wow. was, did all of this with personal historians in mind, but you're the first <laughs> one. So well, I'm honored. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, it was just so nice catching up with you last week that I knew that I needed to have you on my show because you've got a lot of things happening, girl, and I always love hearing about them. So with that, without further ado, I am super excited to find out what you brought to share on show and tell with my, me and my listeners. So I'm going to have you take it away. All righty. 
Uh, well, I changed my mind, as I told you at the last minute, about an hour ago, I said, no, I'm just not feeling that. <laughs> I am going to pick this. So what I have selected is this, this lovely, my Vanna White moment, this lovely loon candle holder with its old janky little thing. It's, it's very old. How old is it? It's got to be 53 years old by now. Um, and I've, I'll, I'll back up and tell you how I came into possession of this thing. Well, I've moved a lot in my life for a variety of reasons, college dorms and early employment apartments, divorce apartment, and a little bit of homelessness. I couch surfed for nine months and then managed to get into my own apartment again. Then I met and married the love of my life when I was 51 years old. Um, and he, like me, has a wanderlust for travel and adventure, which means as a retired army officer, we chose to move to Germany in 2016 uh, for a job for him. And of course, I can do my job from anywhere, uh, writing, helping people write stories. Um, and then we went home during the COVID years, <laughs> and now we're back. We moved back in December of 2022, and we are back in Germany for at least another three-year stint. So in all, I have moved 22 times in my life, which I just counted actually a little while ago. Yeah. And when you move this much, um, especially when you have only a little money, you know, I could, I only took what I could pack in my little Honda Fit from one place to another. So you learn to downsize quickly. So um, my memories came out of most boxes and ended up in piled up bubble wrapped and scotch taped uh, pieces of cherished memories in the back of my Honda Fit, along with the dog, as I moved from place to place. Um, and luckily, I still have a few of these treasured items that I call Huga items. They, I don't know if you know what Huga is. It is, um, it's like a, it's a feeling in your spirit. It's a, it's a defining characteristic of the Danish culture, first of all. And it means a quality of coziness, uh, and comfortable conviviality that engenders a feeling of contentment or well-being. So I have these few things that I keep near me to feel that contentment, that sense of well-being, that sense of um, feeling anchored and grounded in my own life, even as I move around mm -hmm. uh, or the world at this point now. <laughs> so when you have only a, a, a few things, um, I... I actually learned to pack them in my suitcase and bring them overseas because when you ship with the army, they go into these container ships. And I see stories all the time online in these um, military groups where the containers fall off the ships in a storm mm -hmm. and they bobble around the surf. Who knew? There's like several thousand of them bobbling around the oceans around the world. And then eventually they lose the air and sink to the bottom. Um, and I didn't want these few little things to end up floating in, in the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> um, so I don't have a lot of stuff and I've learned to give less value to things um, as I've aged, but the things that I have, I really, really treasure for the stories they tell me. Mm. So back to how I got hold of this, my, my loon uh, candle. Mm -hmm. When I was in 1970, I was seven years old and my parents had the good fortune of um, buying three acres of bluffs and a bay on Downey Island, located just across the border into Canada from upstate New York um, and the famed Thousand Islands on the St. Lawrence River. Mm -hmm. 
And it really made for a magical childhood. My mother loved candles. She loved loons. They make this really beautiful haunting sound. Um, and she just loved them, that and trillium flower, flowers. Um, so yeah, she would burn candles, but we always had a house full of people. Um, and it was usually island people, um, which I learned later on, I, I didn't know what they did for a living. And I was elbowing, you know, rubbing elbows with famous authors and attorneys and vice presidents of corporations and um, theater producers, housewives, factory workers, nurses, teachers, you get the idea. What mattered to my little self was I was in the presence of these people who showed me love, kindness, patience galore, and adventure on the islands. <laughs> and always this little, this, this little loon, this little loon holder was right in the middle of the room. It always sat on the table in our small living room at the cottage. Um, it's a handmade wooden candle holder with um, a hand-painted glass inlay of a painted loon on the front surrounded by cattails. Well, the loon's the wrong color, <laughs> but we ignore that because I think it was a gift from someone else on the island. Either that or it was purchased on another island and given to my mother when I was when we first moved in as a as a welcome to your new cottage gift. Wow. Um, and you know, the door never closed all the way, but it's one of its charms, and I don't care. But every little candle mom or me burned in that loon box seemed to lighten up any gathering in the room um, and commit it to memory. <laughs> oh, if the loon could talk. <laughs> <laughs> so here, here's a couple of key memories uh, so that I associate immediately with this loon candle. Um, Downey Island was only about an hour and a half away from Syracuse, New York, where we lived. So it was really easy to pop up on the weekends. Um, so mom and dad would finish work on Fridays and then we would go up. Um, you know, park the car at the marina, hop in the boat and, and go over to the island for the weekend. And as I got older, I was allowed to stay um, either alone on the island or at my boyfriend's, his parents owned the marina where we stayed. So I would um, pump gas on the gas dock, which boy, the stories I heard there, if a gas pump could talk. <laughs> so needless to say, with a house full of, uh, a cottage full of, um, friends and family, you know, the, the extended family came on the weekends and they, my parents were never alone. So one weekend we all went up and, um, I said, I'm going to stay overnight at, at my girlfriend's house. Um, <laughs> and, uh, really I was hanging out with Richard until all hours of the morning. Um, <laughs> and, um, we came back and he dropped me off. And there's there's two stories concerning Richard and the loon candle. So the first one is he dropped me off. I went up and I could, I mean, the whole place was lit up. I have never seen so many candles in the cottage in my life. I thought they're going to burn the place down. So I'm, I'm looking around, looking around and I focus and I see my dad. He is lying naked on the couch, fast asleep. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the things that children should not see. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm going to blow some candles out and just going to avert my eyes and go to bed. <laughs> well, I go to go to my bedroom and I hear someone vomiting in the bathroom. I'm like, what in the world? So I go to the bathroom, knock on the door and crack the door open. And my mother's naked, hunched over the toilet, throwing up. Apparently they had tried to have 
a romantic evening with too many gin tonics. Oh. <laughs> she got sick and he fell asleep and all the candles were still burning. Of course, the loon candle there to witness the whole thing in the middle of the room. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, my mother was just waving me from behind her like, just get out, get out. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have to erase this memory from my brain. <laughs> yeah. And the other night where the loon candle was a, a, a central feature, uh, Richard brought me home too late and I could see the loon glowing in the window. It was, there was big glass pane windows and all the way the, across the front of the cottage. I could see the loon glowing in the window. I'm like, this is an unusual place for the loon. Um, so we crept up the steps, hoping nobody would hear her. Huh? And the whole family was here this weekend. <laughs> but unusually too, the bamboo curtains were all the way down. Like all the windows were shut. The doors were locked. I couldn't get in. And my father pops out of the side of the cottage with a chainsaw in his hand. And he yells, bah! It scared the crap out of me. <laughs> uh, luckily it wasn't on, but um, yeah, he, he, he got a good one there. And right <laughs> after that, my... Then brother-in-law was a photographer, professional photographer. You remember those big, huge light bars? Yeah. The flash bars. Suddenly the curtain goes up and this big giant flash comes uh, flying across the porch. Richard goes over the porch, eight feet down into the dirt. And I just slumped to the ground crying after I tried to this little silent scream that I couldn't get out. <laughs> we were terrified. And there's the loom. Just quietly burning the candle in the window, like there's nothing going on, different from any other day. Oh my gosh. So I will say that Loon has been with me through all the years of playing Pinochle and Backgammon and Monopoly games. And oh. she even served as a little nightlight for in my in my daughter's room <clears throat> when she was little, um, to have just a little light going for the first couple of hours as she oh. fell asleep. Oh. So yeah, this loon has seen the hail and farewells of dogs, friends, and parties, and now it keeps my soul company in a very Hugo way wherever I live. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, yeah. Tis the story of, Tis of the, the story loon. of the loon candle box. That is amazing. It is. Amazing. And it's funny how a little piece of wood with a little piece of hand painted glass <clears throat> that's clearly nothing fancy. Right. Could recall so many stories. I mean, I could go on and on and on about all the times that for some reason it just was was this central figure in the cottage. And it just mm -hmm. reminds me of all those really magical days growing <laughs> up on the St. Lawrence River. And memories that you might want to forget, yeah, <laughs> but you <yes>. haven't. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, clearly I haven't. You take one look at that and you go, "Oh yeah, there's more stories there." <laughs> I will save those for us around the campfire. <laughs> Needless to say, I think this is like a couple of things. One is again, I've known Sam now for. 25 years or so, I think, roughly. And there's so much that I learned about you, um, more about you than I, I knew before. So it, and 
we have so much in common. And I think we did talk about it, but even in your story telling this, the story of, of the loon candle holder, it made me realize like my mother and stepfather had a cottage on the St. Lawrence. Um, <laughs> wow. Love, I love my, my mother who's still with us, love the sounds of loons. Like it's a very New England, a very Maine and that part of this country. Um, just really good. But I, but when I, you showed it to me, I was like, yeah, wrong color. Yeah, exactly. You know, painted it like a duck, but it's really <laughs> the shape of a loon. <laughs> but I was just like, this was, it, it was, and, and of course, you know, that I grew up in a military family as well, not grew up so much, but I was born into one, born in Okinawa, um, in, on a, uh, in an army hospital um, and, wow. uh, and I moved nine times. My mother forced my father out of the air force because even during those days in the, um, the 50s, the late 50s, early 60s, jet airplanes were not what they are today. And yeah. so even though they didn't see active combat, there were lots of pilots that died in training and my my mother watching these other women like lose their husbands and all of that she was just like young you know young two small kids no way she <laughs> she was going right. to be she was going to be able to handle that so then he started working for general electric so wow. and then got transferred because of that so we we travel a lot and i love that you um you also, like me, um, you, you don't have very much, but the stuff that you keep has has a story. Um, all of it has a story or it has a purpose. And ideally both. It has right, exactly. It has both. And I love the fact that you shared because I just spoke with someone about container ship. Uh, shipping things in a container from London. It wasn't military, but from London to the US and how there's like no inventory. Um, there's nobody that's gonna sign up and say, I've got all this stuff. I mean, it's, and and of course she lost things because oh. stuff happens. And yeah, it so it it's, uh, I love that you're like, nope, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take those things with me. The things that matter, that exactly. create a, a feeling of home wherever you mm -hmm. go, right? That's yep. the, thing about you know your your home so um, yeah the couches the table everything else can be replaced except these small few small little items mm -hmm. that I just you know that haven't been broken through the years or lost or sold so that I could you know buy yogurt to eat for the next exactly. two days <laughs> you know there exactly. have been chapters in my life so right you have fascinating chapters of your life and I am just glad that we we know each other and we've traveled this this path um you've met the love of your life and married him and I married the love of my life and married her uh at 63 uh oh worth the wait isn't it it's it <laughs> it's, it's so worth the wait it's worth the wait and we're both in the right place now. And it sounds like that as well with you. Um, yeah. So, and then of course we have North Carolina and Hendersonville and Asheville uh, in, in common as well, which is 
where I got stuck during the beginning of COVID um, right? in, in Brooklyn, my camper van. <laughs> And, uh, and, you know, brought a whole new meaning to BYOB. So it was bring your yeah. own bedroom, bring your own bathroom. That's <laughs> right. I parked in front of my friend's house and you, you met my friend, Pam. Uh, yeah. You yeah. did a couple of uh, show and tells down in um, Hendersonville area. And uh, mm -hmm. at least one of them she went to. So that was mm -hmm. really, really fun. So thank you for, for joining me and sharing the story of the thing that matters and all your fun, like silly, uh, like, you know, like just major, uh, major stories that are all attached to that piece of wood and glass. And, uh, but it's, it's all, it's all uh, weaved together with all kinds of wonderful, wonderful, wonderful memories. So thank you for that. And Needless to say, as we started this, Sam and I met many years ago because Sam is a uh, memoir writer, a life story coach, a, uh, uh, she and she's got some exciting things that she's up to right now. Like she said, we all kind of pivot trying to figure out where's the right place for us. And I'm still doing it. 64 yeah. years old. I'm still doing it. I imagine I'll do it until I die. Uh, I imagine that, that you might evolve too, because that's what's beautiful about you. You just kind of roll with things um, and, and just like, oh, okay, this is the thing. So please, I invite you to share with my listeners um, how they can uh, find out more about you and what you're up to these days. And I'm going to turn the stage over to you again. Sure. Uh, well, I, I am a memoirist, I guess is probably the best, uh, the most fitting uh, title. <laughs> if I have to carry a title, I guess that's what I'd call myself. Um, and a retreat leader. That's my latest and sort of it's my latest pivot, but it's also going most closely back to my roots. Um, because my favorite thing like yours is to sit with people and hear their stories and, and to see their reactions and to just have that visceral sensual moment in the presence of another human being in the same room. Mm -hmm. Um, and just sort of eliciting those stories as they, as they unfold and sort of guiding them. And that's what I love to do. I, I just become this vessel through which people feel safe and comfortable to tell their stories. Um, and yes, I've done lots of different things, um, lots of <laughs> lines of service in my business that I've, over the years, I've said, this works. No, not anymore, it doesn't. Well, this works great. Well, no, that actually doesn't jazz me very much. So I'm gonna give that up. People love it and they pay money for it, but I don't like it as much as just listening to stories and helping people tell them, yes. um, explore their own life stories. So that's what I've returned to is um, I'm hosting a retreat in Italy this September and uh, I've got another one going in December in Bavaria. And then next year, who knows, Scotland, Ireland, you know, someplace I haven't been. I figured if, you know, when all was said and done in the middle of COVID and we were really busy helping people write their stories, uh, I thought this is too busy. This is not a lot of fun. I've, I've, I'm doing the thing, but it doesn't feel great for me. And if it doesn't feel great for me, it doesn't feel great for my clients. Mm -hmm. So I thought I would just simplify it again. And having a very small group together at some 
spa hotel or boutique luxury hotel somewhere or a bunch of huts in the middle of Ireland. We're in a sacred land where we can walk around and, you know, I can just make the meals or hire a chef or somebody to do it. Doesn't matter. I just want to sit around sort of the, the, the proverbial campfire and elicit stories. And as people hear their stories, they just love how like you and I made that connection or that reconnection between the military connection growing up up north and loons and yes. it's it just happens you know you connect those dots and then it becomes um, a really special thing um, to hear your own voice share your own story that you've just written um, so that's that's the thing that I love to do is help people explore their stories whether it's just for themselves or to publish it, or to share with their family, whatever they want to do, and to just hang out and rest, relax, eat and drink and be merry and take the long naps in the afternoon <laughs> and have a good time. So that's, I want to write and travel and I want to bring people along to write and travel with me. So that's oh. the bottom line. Oh, I love it. Me. I love it. I guess they can find me at cheerfulword.com and everything you need to know about me is is there um contact me through that and uh yeah that's that is me that is it well and as we i mentioned when we talked last week i really am i'm hopeful that some things will line up and we'll i'll be able to join you at 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 one of these um events in the future yeah i just i think it's just so powerful like you said that I was just listening to a podcast that I was the guest on and one of the things I think that we've talked about before I don't know if it was last week was the how powerful telling stories and I'm I'm talking even the simplest stories about a wooden loon candle holder right these simple stories can and in your case i imagine they're much deeper and have many more layers to them but the mm. reality is is that when you get a chance to tell your story you get a, you get the ability to get perspective on your story mm -hmm. you get distance from the story and mm -hmm. then you have the power to change the narrative exactly exactly it's just looking back far enough it's not to go waiting around in all the muck right it's just look at some of those experiences and just sort of glean how they've helped to shape who you are but memoir to me is really about the future because you get to rewrite your narrative you get to write your own future and determine who you want to be not just from who you thought you were yesterday but for all your tomorrows right. so to me memoir is so much more about tomorrow than it is about yesterday I yeah. love that. I've never heard of memoir writing being about the future, but um, it lines up so well with the work that you do, the cheerful world. And I have, but I also have to say, this does not mean that Sam or I never step into the muck with people or never provide the space for that to be a safe place as Sam spoke of, a safe oh, yeah. welcoming space for all stories to be exactly told, right exactly but we're we hold space for the idea that you can look at it differently you can have a different perspective you don't have to we're not forcing 
but we're creating this space for exactly. you to come to that realization. And because uh, mm -hmm. I believe me, I know Sam ha is is quite familiar with the muck, but we're looking to oh, say, yeah. okay, it's fertile ground for what? Exactly. Yeah, it's like it's not like people say, oh, the grass is green around the other side. Well, that's where all the shit is. Of course it's greener. <laughs> so we just jump into the shit, run around, laugh and dance, and then we jump back on the other side and start to tell all the stories about as we clean our feet, you know? <laughs> oh, I love that image. I remember you posted something once and you were out in the middle of the field and you're like, I'm outstanding in the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love a bad pun. I do. I, I love, love you. They just make me laugh. I can't help it. It's how I'm wired. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I wish you much success. Obviously, anyone Thank who's you. listening, you can find out more about Sam through the cheerfulword.com and all the information about her upcoming retreats. All of that information will be in the show notes. And please check out the most amazing, important healing work that Sam provides in this world. Oh, so. thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank. Oh, you've changed lives. You change lives. That's what you do. I just show up. They, yeah. they do the changing. I just curate the space. Yeah, but you holding space is the important part as well. So it thank is. you. It thank is. you. You're welcome. And, uh, thank, well, you thank you everyone for having for me. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to this edition of Things That Matter with Marty McNabb. And I am presently in Western Mass uh, getting ready to um, uh, actually pick up my wife, who's flying in shortly. And uh, I know, yes, we haven't seen each other only about three weeks. That's not bad, considering a long-distance relationship or long-distance marriage. But I want to invite people to um, join me at a virtual show and tales. I post those on my website, showandtales.com. Also, I can be hired by your family, your volunteer appreciation for a volunteer appreciation event, for your corporation, your nonprofit, for a fundraiser, for a family reunion, for a wedding, for something connected to a memorial or retirement, please consider bringing me in to host a story sharing gathering about the things that matter. Um, and I thank you again, Sam, so much for joining me all the way from the other side of the world. Well, not quite, but for making this time for me and my listeners to learn more about you and your work. It is my honor. Thank you so much. And thank you for being you. I'm so glad to be connected to you. Same here. Same here. You have a great day, everyone. And thanks for joining.